0: When a glorious summer lay upon the land. Through doomed romances and red weddings, through tragic losses and noble battles, we sang exultations, we made merry, and mourned as all mankind were united in a singular shared love, a love that would echo through the ages as together we bore witness to the foundation of the television legend. But then,
2: winter came. The Melbourne Fringe Festival was crazy enough to let Movie Maintenance do a show there, so we're going to come out all guns blazing and fix the mess that was Game of Thrones Season 7. I'll be joined by Gabriel of House Bergmosa and Tom of House Handsome. Tickets are available from sandspansradiocom slash live, so get in quick and we'll see you there.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some topics just need talking about. (laughs) That wasn't it. I'm David. I'm handsome Tom. I'm Gabe. And um, this week we're looking at ideas. To out. Got an idea. So basically, what what we're really looking at is that sort of endless question of uh, where do you, where do your ideas come from? My brain. Move next question. Okay, uh, that's <laughs> that's the end of the episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, other people's brains. <laughs> next question. <laughs> No,
2: because like on the surface, I do a lot of LSD in the bathtub. Uh, <laughs> that's
1: that's a trick. Does it have to
2: be in the bathtub? I've never had a bad it's idea good enough about for Roger sure. Sterling. It's good enough for me. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the weirder part. I don't even have a bathtub in my apartment. So, <laughs> so where where am I doing my drugs? <laughs> <you're> just go <going, laughs> in my <laughs> Hey, but if you want a good idea, mate, you got to put in the work. You got to, you got
0: to. So break into a house with a bathtub, <laughs> drop acid. Just imagine uh, like Thomas's house he goes to, and the family's like,
2: ah, oh, it's the drugs guy again. It's he that rider in here, and like <laughs> he's in the. So someone goes into like use the bathroom. Ah, like, oh, mom, what that weird rider guy's tripping out in the bathtub again? Ah, oh, make sure he put some food on the floor. He'll leave in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so, but yeah, but like on the surface, this, about my personal life, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a little, a little bit more insight than I bargained for, but here we are. <laughs> but no, on the surface, it's a it's a pretty simple question, but I think there's actually like a lot to unpack because it's it's obviously different for every person it can be individually you can sort of have a whole bunch of different ways you come up with ideas so what's like what's the most common way you guys would come up with ideas
2: i
0: think it's it, it varies for me I, I it'll be like if i if i see something and i'm like what if or like like a lot of my ideas come from like personal life or something mm. um like regression uh my play which handsome tom was in which i think by the time this has been released will be out as a radio yep. play because it will be because it comes out this week <laughs> and we, this is old news for we pre-record these so sue us
2: um <laughs> basically no we don't we're we're, we're just very forgetful.
0: <laughs> that Well, that kind of came from an idea of like, you know, basically I was just kind of, I think I was in place in my life where I was kind of like, felt like I was going nowhere. I was like feeling kind of a bit nostalgic, kind of had that whole, you know, I was happier back then thing. Yeah. And then that just kind of led to me thinking like, what would my young self say to me if they right. saw me today? Yep. And then I was like, that's actually a good premise for a play. Great. Or like another one of like one of my plays, The Critic, which is about a, theater critic who basically agrees to review her friend's play and the play turns out to be terrible then just make a choice of whether she writes a good review and ruins her credibility or writes a bad review and ruins her friendship yeah that literally came from me watching a play when i was doing theater reviewing watching a play that i had friends in and it was really bad yeah and being like fuck what do i do what do i do yeah um
2: i want to know what did you do mate oh well
0: because i was only writing for like an online blog it was like maybe five people read it and mm. all of them are in the cast. So I just <laughs> kind of wrote like a three-star review where I sort of like changed some things to be like, instead of saying that person was shit, I was like, such and such had lots of fun in the role mm. or like things like that. I just filled it with euphemism. and they I still say, got pissed
2: off at me. Can I say... <clears throat> They should have, as as a person who has done performing, because I wasn't going to say as an actor, because that's really a shitty thing to say. <laughs> but as a person who's been in things, hearing someone being like, "Oh, you look like you had a lot of fun in that role," <laughs> is basically them being like, "I thought you were shit, and this whole thing was shit." Just tell me, yeah, but shit. these, yeah, yeah, look, yeah,
0: but it's I, I would normally, but these people were extremely thin skinned like the kind of thing where it's like the barest suggestion of criticism so and, and also it was at the theater <laughs> it was at, also at the theater that like gave me my start so i kind of like it was just a conflicted situation yeah, yeah, I yeah. oh, was yeah, like yeah. no one cares the stakes are low i'm just gonna lie and i wish i hadn't because there were such assholes in the wake of it mm. that i was just like fuck and i just like i think i end up like putting in a blog post how both plays like a blog post about that situation and about how the play was just fucking appalling yeah yeah. And being like, you know what? I've made a mistake. I shouldn't have lied in that review. Now I'm going on the record as saying that play was fucking terrible. Yeah.
2: By Thank writing my own play based on that scenario. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're, there you you're, go. You're Revenge. Revenge. That's a great way like, to get ideas. Yeah. Like real yeah, life. Yeah,
0: and, life. Then, um, and, and then like, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes like Boone Shepard was a dream. Mm. I had a dream that I was riding around a motorbike solving crimes. Actually, no, it wasn't great. a motorbike. It was a big spindly thing with three wheels that went up
2: walls. This is like a spider on wheels, mate. Right? Kind of, yeah. So, so that, it, we, that, we that part of it kind of got taken was out. it just it was you it, yeah. with a wheel in your mouth and two wheels didn't in your I hands oh, or feet. I had wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of hot. Welcome to my ideas. <laughs> yeah. So where do you get yours from? Uh, this is – so I sometimes – sometimes the dream thing, I guess. Mm. Um, the most famous, I think, writer, director who has – on the record of saying that they get a lot of their ideas from dreams is David Lynch. Yes. Yes. Who um, Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks, all of those kind of shows Mm. have all come from dreams and dreamscapes and things he's had. Yeah. Um, And there is that kind of lucid dreamy quality to them. But yeah, my my dreams are stupid and often don't make sense. And I'm a Pokemon trainer, so I just steer away from them. Or I'm a really good footballer, but I can't. Like, there's no goals. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really good at football, but there is nothing for me to kick like at goals. i just pick the ball up and go. What? What, how do I play? I'm, I'm on a stairwell. A lot of my dreams involve me being really good at something, but there's this massive drawback. So that's, I guess, the other inspiration I get is I always want to write a story where there's a character who has mm. some fantastic quality, but the drawback is that they just suck at it. So you know, I yeah. have no idea what's about a superhero who's like like Superman, mm. but he gets altitude sickness, so he can't fly. Like right. he can barely get off the ground without like passing out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, a lot of mine comes from character. So I'll think of uh, a character and. It'll be like right, like I'll have the idea of this character and and doing this kind of thing, and then I'll go right. Where do they live? Where do they mm. fit? So this season's a fear thing that we're, we're currently all doing, the character in that is a character that I've tried to use in other stories a lot, and I yep. just haven't been able to find the right spot to put her in. And I'm like, oh no, she she works in this story well. Mm. So that's that's sort of where I start. I don't tend to use real life, or if I do, I don't realise it until after. Yeah, um, that's a lot of the way as well. Like
0: I mean, you know, with the themes you're trying to explore, half the time you don't actually know what you're trying to say in a story until exactly, the end of yeah. it. Like
2: that was a big hang up when we. Or at film school, except for Tom who dropped out after two weeks. Um excuse me, excuse me. For that, can I just be on the record here and just say uh six months? Oh, six months. right. All right. You know you- why? Because I still had to pay the fees for the first term. <laughs> okay. If it had been two weeks, I would have missed the uh yeah. the, the census day so, yeah. or whatever it's day. Gabe, it is.
1: Do you have a master's degree? Yeah. Yes, because I do. Yeah.
0: Funny, funny a <laughs> For all the good it's gotten us and all the jobs, <laughs> yeah, it, up, yeah. <laughs> you guys are, are. It literally are no gets worse. me better this, off. We're version. all in the exact same position right now, <laughs> hey, so
1: it allows me to be arrogant. All right, all I'm, right. I'm taking it. If <laughs> that's Fair all enough. I get, good. Yeah, no, I dropped out because I realised that I
2: didn't need it. So, guys, just in case you are stressed about thinking oh, I want to study, you don't have to. Look where I am. Just be handsome. With these dickheads. Yeah, I, I get by on my looks. So either be good looking or work hard. <laughs> um, no, but I know, I know the point you're going to make, and I actually found this really valuable. It's changed the way I think about the way I write uh, is theme. Yeah so I never I was a like, oh, theme is an overrated thing that I don't yeah, care yeah, about yes. absolutely and Ben who taught us in those first few weeks about theme is like start thinking about theme and work your way back from that hmm. and there have been stories that I've written that I'm really happy with and really proud of where I've actually started with a the theme and worked the characters around that but in terms of specific ideas. I don't necessarily have a process. I I don't necessarily have like, oh, this is a the theme I want to explore necessarily. A lot of it is like I guess if I was if I went back through all the things that I've written mm. and I was like, "Ah, oh, what are the themes of these?" I'm sure there would be a really upsetting pattern yes. and people would go, "Ah, oh, Tom, do you feel x about y?" and mm. I'd be like, "No." <laughs> but it would
1: be true. Shut up. Yeah. Yep. So, so you generally, yeah, you start with a character, like the character is almost the kernel of your idea, and then you build a world around that.
2: Yeah, and and sometimes, like I've got characters that I still don't know how to use. I've got characters that mm. often start off as cool names. So I've got <laughs> a character whose name is Tiffany Squid. He's a man, and his name's Tiffany. Great. right? I don't know what he's what, how what he what he's gonna do. I've <laughs> had him in my head for about three years, mm. but I. I just know, and this is something we talked about in the Baby Driver episode recently, I just know I want to have a character whose name is Tiffany and his wife's name is Gregory. I don't know what they do, <laughs> but they just have those names. Great. They may come into something further down the track. Yeah. Like, for example, the something I was working on last year was about a character that I'd had about, a, what if a janitor became president of, like, Cuba?
1: Hmm.
2: And from there, I started just, I left that story for ages, came back to it, and I wrote a, a sort of a novel about, what if the janitor mm. became the president of it? An-
1: and do you know where that idea originally came from? It came from a task. Like okay. I said
2: at uni about when I was in like my first year at uni at, at RMIT, was a and, and sometimes that's the best place for ideas, is to force mm. yourself to think about mm. things. It was like, okay, it's a film set in a hotel. That was it. Right. And we all got a genre and mine was satire.
1: Mm.
2: I was like, right, well, what's what am I going to do? Uh, it's a Cuban. I immediately went, Cuban hotel. Cool. That kind of mm-hmm. tropical island fading glory hotel thing. I mean, that's where I pulled that from. But- and a lot of a lot of the characters that I come up with do come from tasks like that, really. Right.
1: So sort of writing prompts. Yeah, almost. Yeah.
2: Not often, but yeah, I, I find that they do help because it may even just get you to think about like, oh, this will be a cool idea. And then six months later, you go, oh, remember that guy that I yeah. was going to have? I could put him here with this guy. Yes. They could have a fight. And then, oh, great. Here's a, here's a story.
1: Yeah. That's what I like. When you sort of start with an idea... <clears throat> which leads you to something else, which leads you to something else. And by the time you're sort of three steps down, that original idea might be gone. Yep. It technically still started it, but what yeah. you've got now, it doesn't look anything like it.
0: Well, it's funny because like one one idea that like you know it's the web series that Damo, Sean, and I worked mm. on and didn't go anywhere, Mel McDuff about a uni student assassin, because that was an idea I I'd had in my head for a long time, and like yeah. we sort of between us all turned it into what it was, Mel mm. McDuff, which was quite different to the original idea I had. But that idea was literally me at a party once, and in Bruges was on TV. No, it wasn't even at a party. I was just at my house, mm. and I was trying to watch in Bruges, and there was some dickhead. So, so guy. He, he,
2: here's the story, guys. Someone was having a party. And Gabe was trying to watch a movie, which is basically, I guess, what happens to you in most parties. Somebody was having
0: a party, and I was trying to watch a movie, (laughs) and there was one dickhead who was trying to watch the movie with me, who was a friend of my housemate, who just wouldn't shut up. And I was trying to watch Bruges*, and I was watching, you know, the assassins on screen doing their assassin things, and this guy just wouldn't shut up. And I was really drunk, and I just looked at him, and I looked back at the screen, and I just remember saying out loud, I could do this job. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> then the idea of, like, a uni student who moonlights a low-rent assassin to make rent kind of came from there, but then yeah. we sort of developed it to make it a lot more absurd and a yes. lot more kind yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. – so moments like that, I think. Like, mm. There's little moments in- So yeah, a you know, like, lot, lot of your sense to be yeah, real like, life. Yeah.
1: Have you ever had one where there, there has been a particular theme? Like you've said for regression, there was very much a very strong theme in that one. Did that start from the theme or did it start from the idea of you thinking what would my um, younger self say to me?
0: No, I think like like one thing I've noticed is like you talked about, like Tom, you were mentioning like patterns in your themes. Like for me, it's always like, not always, but like for the most part, most of my plays or books or anything- are about either the past mm-hmm. and how people deal with the, and relate to their past or about art and how art affects our lives and affects us as people and stuff like that. Wow. So I've just in as you've said this, gone
2: through your back catalogue of things yeah. that I've read and every seen you Almost do, everything. They all boils down to that. Mm. One of
0: those two things. Boon wow. Shepherd is about the past all yeah. f- those four books yep. together are about a man coming to terms with his past aggressions mm-hmm. is about the past the critic was about art springsteen was about art like it's and the past and the past and the yeah past. like basically that's kind of a lot of- so like i don't know i don't i think those themes are so kind of baked into my work now that they don't i don't really start with being like i mm-hmm. want to explore the past because everything tends to do that sure um there is one story that it was what i did when we did um national novel writing month last year mm-hmm. um it, w- it was like a basically a sci-fi thriller a- Not a sci-fi. It was like a post-apocalyptic kind of thriller about some kids who basically, in a world that's kind of been destroyed by wars, basically ascent into a constructed version of the world as it was previously – and all three of them are like of different religious backgrounds and they have to kind of go back the world as it was to, to get some MacGuffin. And in the process of doing that, they sort of see all the factors that led to the war that destroyed the world. And basically it's about the ways in which religion and faith and everything, you know, influence us and, yeah. you know, good and bad ways just and stuff like that. Yeah, pretty casual um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> pretty, but, deep. but that actually, that idea just came out from me wanting to write about religion. Because, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but like I've always been very fascinated by religion. And I guess like, I mean, I don't really have a religious background or anything, but like, you know, my family – particularly on my dad's side in Austria are quite Catholic. Mm. And I've always been very, very fascinated by the ways in which faith does affect people and the Mm. ways in which it has colored our history and the ways in which it has, you know, been at least partially responsible for some terrible atrocities but also some amazing things and yeah. all the different conflicting things built into it. So yeah, that story, thats I developed that story not based on like some moment of inspiration but based on me being like, I just really want to write something that explores yeah. religion. So there was a but theme
1: you wanted to explore. That was a the theme I wanted to explore. And then you look and, for a yeah. story on the And
0: then I kind of realised like, when I got to the end of it, I was like, because I, I, didn't, I didn't finish it. I wrote my 50,000 words, which is what you have to do for National Novel Writing Month and I just mm. realised the story just wasn't working. But I was like, because also I just kind of got the point where I was like, that story... Because of what I want to say in that story and what I want to explore in that story, that story needs to be gotten exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't settle for second best. So it was like I'm gonna go back and try it again, sort of when I have some more inspiration, I guess. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and I want to ask, obviously, like what well, a lot of what we do is fixing films, which is basically like it's basically plagiarism to a degree, but like, do you ever get an idea from seeing something and thinking, oh, I could do that better, or I want to explore the Like, Basically you're you're almost stealing someone else's idea, but you're making it your own. Let's call it Influenced.
2: Yeah, influence. So I, I often start with like a lot of my fixes or pitches mm. are, are fairly absurd places. Yeah. So I often, again, weirdly set myself little challenges. So okay. for, for example, for one of the first pitches I ever did on the show, I was like, what if I took a board game and made it into a serious film? What mm. board game would I do? And I was like, I'm going to do Guess Who? And yeah. I turned it into a, a real thing. For Fifty Shades of Grey, I literally was like, oh, I've got to come up with an interesting take on this. Mm. What if the title was Literal? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, what if, yeah. So again, it, it starts with – there is a, a key element of it for me within the film that I like then to take and mm. extrapolate and, and pull threads out. Yeah. But I often it's not like, oh, that's an interesting theme. I should explore that on. It's either that character should be doing X yeah. or what if I did this? So, you know, what if I told the story of Avatar as if it was being John Malkovich? Like yeah. just that kind of absurd level of – so it's more – yeah, I see something in myself a challenge of going, okay – what if all of the characters in this film were Sigourney Weaver? Like, what if right. every character? Like, yeah. how would that play? Yeah. Out? Yes,
1: yeah. And have you ever had something like that for for not for a movie maintenance fix, but just one of your own stories where you've watched or read something and it's led to you writing a story almost stemming from that thing you were consuming?
2: Yeah, I've. So one of the things was I read I wrote a musical a couple mm-hmm. of years ago with my housemate, and there it, that was based on a true story and was also heavily influenced by. The Cohen brothers. Yep. Um, so the true story is uh, it's a it's the best true crime story ever. But it's in Melbourne. Um, Picasso's Weeping Woman was in the National mm-hmm. Gallery of Victoria back in the eighties. Was the most expensive painting ever purchased by government. Um, it was two million dollars, <coughs> which is huge for for the eighties. It was there for a little bit. Uh, it then got stolen. Hmm and appeared a week later. It was held for ransom. There was all these letters to the press about from the Australian cultural terrorists who'd taken it hostage. Right, uh, It disappeared for a week and then was found after an anonymous tip hmm. in a locker at Southern Cross train station. That's brilliant. And to this day, they never charged anyone, arrested anyone, and do not know who did it. That's awesome. So we took that and was like, right, what if it was like all of these different people who wanted it for different reasons, and at the middle of it is a guy who is hopelessly out of his depth hmm. and doesn't realise it until it gets to the point of too far. So that was where it was we took a true story that was interesting and told our version of it and we had a nice tight time frame it has to take place within this one week. <coughs> mm. Um and also the influences that I have which is I was like right I'm going to make Fargo with music. Right. about people in over their head dealing with very dangerous elements. Mm. And that's that Coen brothers influence yeah. coming through.
1: And so yeah. yeah same question for you but like like is it, it's like it's almost like you sometimes it's not even necessarily the the plot points but it's you watch something like I don't know, let's say you're watching Ocean's Eleven. You're like, I want to write a heist movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think particularly with theater, like you know. Definitely there are plays I've seen where I'm like, fuck, I want to do that. Like, Mm. I want to do, like, two-handers. I'm like, fuck, I really want to do a two-hander. Like, I really just want to put two people in a room and make it interesting. Yeah. Like, there's a movie that I really love called Tape, where basically it's like three old high school friends get together in a hotel room. The the movie never is a hotel room. It's um, Uma Thurman, Ethan Hawke, and some other guy. Mm. And basically, it's like Ethan Hawke's characters like this derelict, and the other guy is like this now successful documentary filmmaker, and they're getting together before they go for dinner. And basically, it turns out that the documentary filmmaker guy has some secret from the past that Ethan Hawke is trying to get out of him mm-hmm. that involves Uma Thurman's character. And the whole film, real time, never leaves that room. One scene, one room. And I just found it so fascinating the yeah. way in which it was completely riveting and, like, such a good movie, but never left that space. Mm. And so I was sort of like, fuck, I really want to write, like, you know, something like that, something contained, sure. two-hand, or whatever. Yeah. I think there's also things like, you know, watching Martin McDonough's work, you know, a playwright who I really admire, and sort of seeing the way he uses he uses dialogue – As like, he just has this amazing gift for dialogue where the dialogue can be like hilarious and really bouncy and really witty, but sort of infuse so much pathos into it as well. Mm. And I think when I saw that, I was like, fuck, I really want to do that. Like, I really want to learn to use dialogue the way he uses dialogue. And after that, like, I really went to town, like, working really hard on my dialogue. So I guess it's less that I pick up plot points or stories and more just the mechanical stuff, Mm. like how people approach things. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, they do that really well. I really like how they do that. How do I poach that and use it my own way? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. Like, and for me, like I generally write like fantasy or sci-fi, those are my two favorites. I've read them forever. And like I I listened to Neil Gaiman's um, View from the Cheap Seats, which is a bunch of his essays and this sort of thing. Yeah. And it was ridiculous the amount of ideas I got from listening to him just talk about his process. Talk about and... his own process and talk about how he sort of his own generation of ideas. Because like his natural creativity sparked my own in a way that all these ideas all of a sudden were flooding in, like again, all sort of fantasy ideas and that sort of thing, where you just look at a normal situation, throw some sort of twist element in there.
2: Yeah, and but that's that's what good writers do, is it a good mm. writer or a good storyteller will inspire other good writers and other good yep. storytellers. Well no yeah. even sorry, that's assuming oh, we're good. But what I'm saying is other storytellers. So yes. a good storyteller you go, man, that's really cool, and then it starts you thinking about, well, what if that was the scenario exactly. what if that was the yep. scenario and and like one one of my things that I like doing is that I like taking something that's extraordinary mm. and making it mundane. So okay. taking, so we get told, oh, you know, you get the ordinary, and then all of a sudden they're thrust into the extraordinary. Right. What if you took it the other way? So what if you had something that was actually really kind of fantastical mm. and just made it a bit shit? Yeah. So I like write a lot of stories about superheroes who just aren't very good, sure. or magic existing, but in a really kind of eh. Sort mm. of way. Or, yeah, or, or that sort of way. Yeah, yeah. Or, or taking something like that's terrifying and mm. simplifying it down to where it's, it's still terrifying because it's normalized. Yes. So it's way, 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 way scary because it's not this right. big monster behind the door. It's just, just a bunch of weird, crazy people. Yeah. Or it's just a dude on his own. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Because you can flip that.
1: Mm. Again,
2: I've, I've shown you, you know, you, you, take, you have your fantastical stuff, you have your funny stuff, and you can have dark stuff by mm. taking those things. I think- um, Supernatural TV show, one of the scariest episodes of Supernatural, there are two of them, where there are no ghosts, it's just people. Mm. So one of them is incest twins living in a house and one of them is just people who hunt people. Cool. They're the most chilling episodes because you can't like burn bones or do some kind of magic. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just people.
1: Yeah. And I think for the most part, like for at least me, I'm guessing you guys are the same, you sort of, you never really without ideas. You get quite a lot of ideas in the process, especially if you write everyone down, rah, rah, rah. So I, I, I guess the part then is, how do you decide which idea you're going to work on? How do you know if it's a good idea or if it's like, it's, actually, that's not going to work? Like, what's your process for that?
0: I think it's what grabs you at any given time. Like, mm. and it's, I don't know, it, it seems really arbitrary because like, I, I should know better than this by now. But like, I always say, okay, I'm working on this project now. And then next week, I'm going to start working on this. and That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Never works. No, Never, no, ever works. No. So like, so, you know, I just finished Um, at the time recording. I just finished last week. Uh, my Seasons of Fear contribution to the anthology that yes. the four of us are doing with um with Carney. And I finished that, and my plan was to go into rewrites for Boone Shepherd three the next week. I was mm-hmm. like, cool, I'm gonna reread Boon Shepherd one and two, read them back to back. I'm gonna start working on, you know, doing my rewrites for book three. I'm gonna, and also cause I've got an idea for a Boon Shepherd stage play, I really wanna write. Yeah. And I'm thinking, pretty much, I'm gonna put my head completely back in the Booniverse and I'm gonna just like churn out a whole bunch of content in that world and just kind of live there for a while. And then literally the day I was about to start doing that, I had this great idea for this novel that I'd kind of stalled on that I've sort of been working on on and off all year. And I just had this idea for it that had just not occurred to me yet that fixed so many problems and made me so excited for that novel. Mm. And that, that novel's got no deadline, got no nothing. It doesn't have the same pressure on it that Boone does. You know, nobody's crying out for this book, like, or yeah. anything. I'm not saying yeah. people are, you know, crying out for Boone or anything, but, like, you know, there's an expected third book coming, you know. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with this, it's like, like, Boone is, should be the priority. But I just, I couldn't help it. It was like my brain went to the book mm. and that was what I had to work on. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm working on that
2: and Boone's been pushed back
0: again. Yeah. So <laughs>
2: Yeah. Now, my, my thing is the way you know that an idea is kind of working and I think I talked about earlier just about characters and having a character and thinking mm. you know what you're gonna do with them and then actually realizing I'm gonna use them over here, is that you don't actually realise if it's a good idea or if it's working until you just start doing it. Yes. Yeah, so just, just start doing it. And you'll yeah. get to a point, I guarantee you'll get to a point where you're like, ah, I've run out of juice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. If, if you're one of those people who can force yourself to keep going, then by all means just force yourself mm. to get to the end. Yeah. Don't go backwards. But if you need to, to walk away from it and go, I actually don't know what to do with this character now. Like recently we we're talking about the Seasons The fear thing, I, I wrote myself into a corner and I was mm. like, I don't actually know because I knew I had to get over here yes. to point X, but I was like somehow ended up at point B again. Mm. I'd like just, oh, and I needed to, to work out how to get out. So I just didn't kind of do anything for a couple of days, did some other stuff, edited some bits and pieces, went back mm-hmm. to it, deleted six pages and then just went through it again. It was like, Great. cool, I now have an idea of how to solve it. Talk to yourself in the shower. That's the other one. I talk to myself a lot. My girlfriend finds it really unsettling. She's like, you're just (laughs) mumbling to yourself. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, just talking things through. Yeah. So be crazy, but do it on your own. So yeah, so so you it's don't really get funny like, I,
0: I tend to get really good ideas in the shower, weirdly. And like, yeah, like my girlfriend said the other day. Like, I came out of the shower, and she goes, and I was like, okay, I've had this amazing idea for the novel, <laughs> or I've had this amazing idea for this pitch, or something. And she's like, why do you always come up with yeah. really
1: good ideas in the shower? Like you it's you're my thinking here. time? You're it's are there. there. You got <laughs> nothing time. else to do right. but wash yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, but what don't what forget to wash yourself. <laughs> I do sometimes. i <laughs> have yeah, had water on you. You're fine. Yeah, you know, feels washed away. Get
2: in there, but you—that's you're standing there for you know good three to 20 minutes, depending on what kind of shower you are. Are you environmentally conscious or are you yeah. a piece of shit like me? Um, and you, you do start to think of those ideas because you're in those places. If you can have like something like that. So like just give your dedicate time and it sounds really dumb and it mm. sounds kind of counterintuitive because it's like, we're, we're still sort of being like, no, be free and creative and whatever. Mm. But seriously, dedicate time to come out with an idea, like sit down and be like, yep. right, I need to come up with two ideas for something. Yes. They may not go anywhere. No, they may six months from now be like, Hey, that, Plot point I was going to use mm. where I thought wouldn't it be what would happen if my hands suddenly became hammers? Yeah, relevant to this story about a guy whose hands are hammers. <laughs> That's a bad example, but you get the point. I'm yeah, fine.
0: yeah, because I do think you can like you can make yourself come up with ideas. I mean, like personally, I'm the kind For of sure. person who like really just likes inspiration to strike. Mm. But like you know, I've I've been doing a lot of freelance work like like Upwork this year and like you know I've, I've done a couple of instances of I mean it it sounds dodgy and it is dodgy but I've done a couple of instances of like ghost writing short stories for people and stuff like that mm-hmm. because hey I need to eat and this one that came up it was one gig where somebody was just like I need a thriller I need three thriller novellas like three like 10,000 word thriller novellas the plot's up to you whatever it just has to be a thriller And so I was kind of sitting there and I was like, huh, all right, what what have I got? What have I got? What have I got? And I was like, okay, there's a bloke. He's walking through the city in the early hours of the morning. He heads to the construction site where he works and he finds a dead girl in the construction site. And he turns around, there's a cop behind him and the cop tries to kill him. And he kills the cop in self-defense. And then Mm. next thing he finds himself in the middle of a conspiracy. And he's like, wait, what the fuck have I stumbled into? Cool. And it kind of just expands from there. And then it just it just mm-hmm. got really, really ridiculous. It was like the storyline ended up being like John Wick on crack. But right. it was just like, because I just started with that. I was like, okay, so like so conflict, what's the problem? Like yeah. yes. character, problem, solution. That's it. Um, yeah. and go from there.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I I recently was was working on something that I'd been developing at uni when I was at 30 uni at RMIT it was a, a story about a bunch of superheroes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was never there was never anything compelling about the storyline. Uh, and then a while back was working towards looking at doing something with it again and just thought, what if in the first five minutes you find out that the main character is wanted for the murder of another character? And then that's it. You jump into the story. You learn how he gets to this point. Hmm. And then at the end of the episode, he, he admits to it. And it's like, well, what did you do? How did they get here? So right. it's like already I took one element from a story that I already worked on and just added something that made it more dynamic. Yeah. So you can do that too, for sure. Yeah, That's definitely. It.
1: And like, for for myself, I've generally got a lot of ideas. I'm if I get an idea, I, I have to write it down immediately. Like, yeah, yeah me it too. Doesn't matter me if it's middle of the night because, like, it's that it's that process of rewarding yourself. Writing it down is the reward. So if you do that, you're more likely to get more ideas. And exactly. I've I've freed my brain of that idea. Great. Now there's space for new stuff to come in. Yeah. But like, I know um, Matt Fraction, comic book writer. He famously uh, has sort of said that he doesn't write them down. He's basically if an idea is persistent, if it'll if I let it go and it comes back and it continues to come back yeah. and bother me, I know it's a good idea. And you look at his body of work and you're kinda like, well Okay. <laughs> it clearly works that's, for you. i like, that's, that's
0: like- a really interesting way of thinking. Yeah. I've like- never thought like that. Like, I write everything down. It's funny because, like, I was just thinking about that on what you were saying. I was like, I don't actually read over my notes that often. Sure. Like, I've got notebooks upon notebooks full yep. of story notes. Yeah. And ostensibly, you're doing it so that you've got things down so you can refer back to it later. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I actually find that, like, if I write it down, I kind of consolidate it in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yep, yeah, like what well, you said, freed my brain. Of, but it's, the act yeah. of writing
2: it down does that thing of, like, you know, that whole thing about short term memory to long term memory. Right. So by writing it down, you're actually imprinting it into your head. So you don't actually need to go back mm. to read it. Because no, because next time you
1: think, what's my ideas? It's there. It's, it's locked in it your yet. ideas folder in your brain rather than on your computer.
2: I don't write things down, which is probably Ooh. dangerous. Yeah, okay. But I just don't. I weirdly probably go, nah, if it's something that I, I think is good, it'll stay in my head. Maybe that's where the talking
1: to myself. Right. Maybe mm. that's it.
2: I talk to myself rather than write it down. Yeah. And by having the conversation with myself,
1: it solidifies that way. And have you ever written a story because you want to write a specific genre or wanted to write a sp- sort of tone? So again, it's, <laughs> it's sort of similar to the Ocean's Eleven question, where but you've seen something where you're like, oh man, this is so dark and gritty. I want to write something dark and gritty or something like that. Well,
0: I definitely, like, I mean, yeah, like, my Seasons of Fear, I guess maybe Seasons of Fear is coming up a lot because we're all sort of in the midst of either having just finished it or working on it. Yeah. But, like, that was the story I came up for that, which is, like, you know, a couple of basically uni kids traveling across Australia on, like, a hipster quest to find the real Australia, Hmm. end up stumbling on a town where everything's just a bit fucked and things go very, very wrong for them. Yeah. And that idea was originally kind of just came out because I really, I had an idea in my head for a long time about, like, I heard from a friend of mine who'd, like, been backpacking, uh, he just pretty much went up to Queensland and down again, just like hitchhiked his way there and hitchhiked his way back. And at one point, he was staying with this family, like apparently like a really rough bogan family who just like let him stay with them. And he was kind of scared of them the whole time. But then they were talking about this town up the road that you just don't go to because if you go to this town, you cross the borders of the town. There's a guy who runs the town, and then he will pretty much take you in. He'll give you a house, he'll give you a job, and then you're not allowed to leave. <laughs> And it's one of those things where it's like, it's probably an urban legend. These were like some drunk, drug fried people. But just this idea that there are places like in this that. country mm. that you just should not go to. So I kind of had that in my head for a while without an actual plot built around it. When Seasons of Fear came up, I was like, I really want to write a horror. I've never written a horror before. Yeah. So so, so that story was written purely because I wanted to write in that genre. Yes. But the ideas that formed the story had probably been around mm. for a while, just without any sort of tangible form.
2: Yeah, yeah. My, my, my sort of genre was the thing that, I wanted to write horror. Yes. This isn't season five, So I wrote a horror play because I was like, I want to tell a scary story. And then I had an idea. i was like, what kind of scary story do I tell? What would, what would be terrifying? What kind of location would be scary? And I was like, radio studio. It's like this big. Mm. You can't leave yeah. it. It's tiny. It's a condensed setting. And I was like, what would be scary in a radio? Um, well, you got speaking and stuff. And then the first thing that popped in my head was a song. And I was like, what if there was this creepy song that kept playing? Like that would yeah. be really eerie. And then it built from there. But that was a deliberate attempt to be like, right, I want to write something scary. Cool. So you you can do it that way, mm. I guess.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. There's, there's sort of, you know, for anyone who's listening and wants to know good ways to get ideas, there is an endless way to get good ideas. You LSD in the bathtub. I said it before. <laughs> yeah, stay in the bathtub. I guess the next thing I want to talk about is well, once you get that, that kernel of an idea. So, whether it's a character or if it's a genre or if it's tone or it's or something that's happening in your life or fuck, sometimes I've just had a piece of dialogue and I don't even know where the dialogue fits in, but I'm like, oh, I like that line. Yeah, yeah, let's build a it. fucking yep. story around it. Yep. So, once you've got that, you still need to build a story around it. So, what do you guys do next to generate ideas on your idea? Just go for it. Just go for yeah, it. Like, I, I, think- I know, like before <sighs> you mentioned conflict, is that sort of where you would start? Go, where uh, is the conflict?
0: No, not, not really. I mean, I think I, I've got a theory on this where it's like every every story has got to have conflict because if there's no conflict, there's no story. Yeah. I and mean, the conflict could be anything. It could be like, you know, person versus nature, person versus person, like, you know, internal conflict, whatever. But to me, like, I wouldn't have a story idea if there wasn't some inherent conflict. So I don't really worry about that. Mm. I just kind of let it, I honestly just let it percolate. Like, yeah. I go for really long walks and I just kind of like let it play out in my head and I talk to myself a lot. There have been times when like I've, I, I find myself like when I'm Going for walks, acting out scenes. Oh yeah, yes. Like yeah, I'm and- so glad the
2: son was my housemate and girlfriend at home because I stomp around my apartment.
0: <laughs> oh, I do it, and yeah, and like I, I've had situations where I've been walking and like I need to like talk out scenes in my head to kind of like see them and get them, but I, I tend to act them out. So I pretend I'm on the phone. So yeah. I put the phone oh, into my ear, and nice. like, so, i just—it so looks like I'm just talking to someone on the phone, but actually, like I'm acting out a scene. Yeah, because I'm just like trying to kind of bed it down. So I just literally like, if I have the idea, I sit it there, and then I just kind of work it through until I'm ready to start writing it. Okay, yeah. like I yeah. work it through until I think. Work it through it's like a place. in your brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And but then and there's like writing an undercooked story. Can, like I wrote this play recently about like basically a. Um, failing TV studio who basically need to up their ratings and so they fake a gangland war so they can make a new season of Underbelly. Cool. And the idea was that it would be like this hilarious black comedy but like I honestly just had not thought the story through all the characters mm. or kind of what I was trying to explore or say with it. And so it goes from being really funny to just being really bleak right. and it's a real tonal whiplash that just doesn't work because I was just kind of you know literally just going with the wind and just kind mm. of like flying like just kind of trying to write my way to success without having actually Thought through the story yes. first. Yeah, uh, that is exactly
2: what I do. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, <laughs> head down and go for it. But, but I you can like, always go the, back and rewrite. But sometimes it does yeah. work. That's the that's the thing. Like there's no again, there's no right yeah. way oh, to yeah. do it. This is, like, sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Like you well, there's it.
0: been certain plays, like like Heroes play of mine that's, like, currently doing really well in on the one-act play circuit. That was just an idea I had, and the next day I started writing it. Mm. And I didn't really know how it was going to end. I had some ideas, and I literally just sat down, I wrote the play in two days, and the idea just, like, it just, it. I guess, the, what I wanted to explore in that play was... That play is the best yeah. ending you've mm. ever done, mm. by the way, <laughs> Haven't seen it's, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty proud of that ending. Um, <laughs> I think that's the only reason it does so well is that ending. Because yeah. it just, yeah, but... But yeah, like that was just, like, and the ending was an idea. I, I didn't know. That was the only thing I really didn't know. Like when I started writing it, I didn't right. really know how it was going to end. Yes. And then when I got to the end, I was like, oh, course!" and that's my favorite feeling in the world of yeah, writing oh, is like best. when I hit a hit a moment where I'm like, of course, that's what happens. Yeah. Like it's because it always makes you feel like the story's, it sounds
1: wanky, but not coming from you. Like it almost feels oh, for like sure. you know, you're just channeling yep. it. You're and on Earth, like Stephen King just defines it as like, he's an archaeologist digging it up. Yeah, yeah, and That's yeah, what yeah. it feels like sometimes. I mean, not all the time. Through, through the mounds of cocaine that he was doing <laughs> at <the> time. Yeah, <laughs> says the guy who has LSD in the bar. <laughs> hey, hey, we all have our processes, mate, don't yeah, judge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, my process is, it's, it's similar. It's rather than in talking out loud, I actually write out loud, as in I write down my thought process in a conversation to myself, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. But I usually sort of save it. Like I usually have my initial idea and I'll write out the start of it because I've usually got a starting point. And then it gets to a point where that, that fuel is sort of burned out. And so I'm like, okay, I, I need to figure out the idea of what happens next. And then I'll be like, literally be like, all right, Damien, like typing this all down. So this person's done this, but they need to get to here. What are you going to do about it? And literally just sort of word vomit onto yeah. the page. And usually through that, something will come out of it.
2: That whole thing of having like an internal monologue with Mm. yourself is like the the inner writer, so to speak. I learnt just through doing similar things. I was like talking through my process that the inner version of me is very aggressive. (laughs) I could be like, all right, so this guy does here now. What's he going to do there? I don't fucking know what he's going (laughs) to do there, Tom. Why don't you sit the fuck down and work that out? What a fucking dumb ending, mate. That is a fuck. Go (laughs) fix it. So
1: basically Samuel L. Jackson is is yelling at you to do better. Do better. Yeah. Mine uses a lot of slang. It's like, all right, Cobber, how are we going to fix this? Oh. And then go yours, off we go. Yours is like Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty charming. That's yeah, why yeah. Sean spends so much time with you in the hope that your inner inner rider yeah. of Rusty will, will rub over. off on him. Yeah,
2: literally. Exactly
0: Mine right. calls me really patronizingly. It's like, all right, Bergmoser.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, calm it down. <laughs> let's, <laughs> just, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Nice work, Bergmoser.
2: Yeah. Oh, are you going to rot your way out of this one, dickhead? <laughs> oh, you've already done that. You saw that movie last week. <laughs> anyway, anyway.
1: So, have you ever had like an idea that's come out just fully fleshed? You've just all of a sudden had this spark of inspiration, and basically that process of oh, okay, maybe this could happen, this could happen, just happens all at once, like a series of dominoes falling. Yeah,
2: this this horror play to an extent was like mm. that. I knew where it needed to get to, and I just kind of worked my way. and I've, I'm going back and rewriting bits and pieces because there's stuff that needs to be worked on. Yep. But for the most part, it was kind of like, well, I know I've got to get to here, so I'll just keep knocking down the things until I get to there. And I yeah. always work on, for my thing, When in, in all the examples I've done for horror lately, I'm just working on rule of three. So right. there are going to be three things that are going to escalate and by the last escalation, it's too late or yeah. you've got to yeah, kick yeah. it up. I can yes. that with Seasons of Fear, that was the problem is I wrote myself mm. away from my pattern of three and I'm like, huh. I need to get back there because cool. I don't know how to get out of here. Yep. So with, with, with um, this play, it was like, Right, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and then the logical sequence is that. And I got to the end and I was like, no, I'm happy with that ending. Mm. And I was like, right, now I need to go back and make sure that the characters are doing what they're doing. Cool. And oh, Okay, this bit here is really long. It's cool, but it's long. I need to find yeah. some
1: more things to do here. Yeah, I like that. See, I've done something similar with, with my seasons of Fear 1. Where every scene I had, I decided every scene needed a conflict, which most every scene should have. But also for this one, every scene needed creepy, something creepy. Yeah. It could just be one tiny element of that scene. It didn't need to be the major part, but every scene needed to have something that was just a little bit like, oh, that's a bit unsettling. Yeah. Because I figured that was my way of going to infuse horror throughout until the ultimate horror was revealed. You just ratchet up the creepy. Exactly right. Exactly right. One thing I do...
0: That I've, and there's something that, like, I, you know, the writing studio where I work with teaching kids and everything, Mm. like, one of the first things I get them to do is an exercise which I call, but therefore. And basically what it is, because I read this article once that summed it up really perfectly. Where it said basically the difference between a good story and a bad story is that good stories are told with the words but therefore and meanwhile while bad mm. stories are told with and then. That's the, so, the,
2: the, the rule of South Park is that every story they ever wrote, if any of them ever used and then they scrapped yeah, the whole story. Yeah, no, mm. So
0: so basically like the example I use with kids is like, you know, I'm like, okay, so today I woke up and then I went to school and then I had a mass test and mm. then aliens arrived and then I turned into a giant cow with a lightsaber and then I became the king of the world, and then I said there would be no more school ever, and then that was the end. Like, it's just it's just stuff just happening, mm. like, with no actual plot or structural reason for it. Whereas, but therefore, it's like, okay, so today I woke up and I went to brush my teeth, but... I had no toothpaste. Therefore, I had to go to mum and say, hey, can I have some toothpaste? Because I was going to sit next to my crush in class that day and I didn't want to sit next to her with a bad breath. But mum said, no, you can't have toothpaste. You know, you're in a hurry, you get to school. Hmm. Therefore, I had to run down the road to try to buy some toothpaste. But I had no money. Therefore, I had to steal the toothpaste. Therefore, the police came on to me. So you see, it's constantly... Just Meanwhile, like my crush had lost all of her teeth. Exactly. And then you have the meanwhiles in there as well, which is where your <laughs> subplots come in. But yes. basically, the whole thing with but, therefore, is that essentially you're... Everything that happens. Is either effect. Exactly. Yeah. Everything that happens is either an obstacle that challenges your character and therefore creates conflict, mm-hmm. or an outcome of that obstacle. And that outcome should logically lead to the next obstacle and the next and the next and the next. Yeah. Because normally I tend to just kind of like play it out in my head until I've eventually got the shape of it. Mm. If I'm struggling, I'm like, okay, cool, what's a twist I can throw in here? What's yeah. a what's something I can throw in here to raise the stakes, change the situation, mm. challenge the character in some way. And so like one thing I did like with um with Boone Shepard's American Adventure was that I sort of did a but therefore thing, but I-, I called it moving the goalposts, where I was like, instead of having one main objective, that character was trying to achieve, mm. I gave him his objective the first You used the a sporting first metaphor, Gabe. <laughs> I did, yeah. As a man who does but not enjoy sports. I sort of, I, I decided said I wanted to constantly give him his objective, but at a cost. Right. So, in the first thing, he's like, I want to get from the 1800s back to the 1960s. He does, but Promethea Peters gets stuck behind. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, his next thing is, okay, cool, I need to work out a way to get Promethea. And then he does but she's been mind-controlled by an evil villain. Right. So, therefore, he has to stop the evil villain, which he does, but then suddenly... So, so, so
1: yours, that one's almost therefore, but, rather yeah, than the but, therefore. yeah. So,
0: basically, instead of kind of being all about one objective, it was just like constantly every time he gets what he wants pretty quickly, but that leads to another problem, a and another yeah. problem, yeah. and another problem. And so, because yeah. American really Adventure was one of the Boone Shepherds that, like, well, the, the one I had the most trouble with when it came to actually structuring the story and working it out in the first draft, the first draft was just and then's. Hmm. It was just, and then Boone meets Elvis, and that leads to this, and then this happens, and then and it, none of it made any sense mm. whereas like when i went back to it because the other ones kind of flowed quite naturally like you were saying like the yes. ideas just sort of came in time but that was the only one where i was like okay cool i need to work out how do i challenge him what's the outcome yep. how do i challenge him what's the outcome and that pretty cleanly led to the story i ended up with great
1: yeah well another one that i use is so like because sometimes you know you've got this idea and you can do the that but therefore you're like okay there, what's the therefore and then you don't have it. You sort of look for it. You're like, I don't really know what the consequence is or what yeah. have you. And that's where, like for myself, I do this thing where I I, I call it internally just push the idea where either I'll – you sort of write down the first thing that comes to your head and then you go push it. Push for something more and you yeah. reach for something more. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's the immediate consequence. What's a more far-reaching consequence that we don't know about yet? Like is well, it's that the next exciting? next Next thing. Yeah, and really push it to get something even more exciting. Do you guys have anything like that that you sort of use –
2: I guess it's my my thing's more of with that working from that what if principle of it's like, all right, so what if then uh, you do have a universe in which magic exists? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the problem with the magic is that like it's it's kind of mundane. It's become so mundane that mm. like it's it's barely magic anymore. it's it's considered a science, right? so that's that's your idea. You've got magic that is a science. Mm. So what if you have like, Climate change skeptics, but for magic. Yeah. Right. So what if they exist? Even though magic's in front of them. So you have like a group of hardcore scientists and wizards, right? So there's scientists and wizards. So was Albert. Then you have a story of Nikola Tesla was both. All of a sudden, we have a revisionist history novel in which Nikola Tesla was both, and Thomas Edison came after him because he's like, no, magic is bullshit. Yeah. Or vice versa. So all of a sudden, you've that literally just did that on the fly. Yeah. But like already, (laughs) you're you're pushing an idea to it to a point where it's like, right, I'm now going to play with history. Yeah. Great. Playing with history is fun too. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is.
1: And that's it. And that's like, like, again, that's where you're almost plagiarizing, but it's history. So, hey, go do whatever you yeah. want with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Do what <all laughs> you want. And which is a yeah, great way to come up with ideas. Yeah. So finally, I was just going to, I was thinking like, obviously for any listeners out there, they might, they might want a writing sort of prompt for themselves. Is there a writing prompt that you guys use or that you use to your students that you, you think really works and has come up with some good stuff? I'm not a fan of writing prompts. Mm. I'm, I'm really not. I don't know.
0: I mean, like with with teaching, it's one thing. Like I'm a hypocrite because obviously I use them with kids here and there. But like <laughs> in general, I'm just like a writing prompt to me. It's like no, like find something that's personal to you and find something you mm. want to say, and then find the story in that. Like that, I think is for me anyway. That's I I, sure. I just. I, I I know that like writing prompts work really well for a lot of people and stuff like that. So it's it's not me like denigrating them and saying like because I know like Tom you use them and stuff like that. Mm. It's not me saying the be all and end all is don't use writing prompts. It's just
1: they're just not for me. Yeah, and, um, and
2: when I say you know use them, use them to maybe get the ideas flying for something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure.
1: yeah no, it's 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 really just a way to spark creativity. Like it's, if you've already got something great, but if you're like oh, I really want to write something different today, but I don't have an idea immediately. One Fuck thing just I think is
0: don't get hung up. If you've got a story idea and you're not really sure how to start it, I mm-hmm. think people people get hung up on beginnings because they try really hard to like have a really witty opening or a really profound opening or something. But like I, I always just think back to the opening line of Red Dragon. And the opening line of Red Dragon is literally, without any context, Graham took Crawford and sat him down by the river. And then it just launches straight into the dialogue. You don't mm-hmm. know who Graham is, you don't know who Crawford is. Yeah. There's no description of them until like, you know, a few paragraphs later. It just starts with a conversation where it's like are you going to come back and help me catch this yeah. murderer? Yes. And that's it. And it just launches straight into the conversation. Yeah. And that's kind of something like, you know, it's what, is it that David Mamet thing where it's like, get in late, get out early? Yes. Yeah. Like, start I think start just,
2: the scene as late as you
0: possibly can and mm-hmm. get out as early as you possibly yeah. can. Yeah. It's just, just jump straight in. I mean, yeah. like, you know, the I. I think, you know, that Hannibal Lecter trilogy is my all-time favourite trilogy of novels. Mm. Trilogy, trilogy, because there are only three. But I thought
2: there was a fourth, I think. Oh, no, I don't know what you're talking Ooh. about. Riding, but um, <laughs> I want to say. No,
0: I don't know what you're talking about. But I do know that my hand is slowly inching towards this rusty nail line here. <laughs> um, my favourite. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I don't know, I just, I just think, like, don't don't get hung up on like being really fancy or being really showy. If you've got a mm. story idea, just jump in. Just start with the yeah. action and just start with yeah. describing it. Come in the middle of the You can always go back and, and do yeah. the pithy start of exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Yeah. But like we'll see, yeah. I'm actually a really big fan of openings that just launch
2: straight in.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could even start with the ending. Go, oh, I've got this great ending. Fuck it, make that the beginning. Yeah. And see then work your way to 'cause it'll change and it'll more. Yeah, exactly
2: right. one good interesting sort of fun writing problem if people want to do it is yeah. literally just pick a song on like shuffle on your iTunes yes. and just put it on repeat, right? Yeah. And just listen to it on repeat. And then once sort of start right to the song. Mm. I have to put headphones in when I write at home and there's someone else there because I'll just listen to a song 200 times. <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> yeah, song that suits things. So yeah. yeah, just pick a song on repeat right to that see what happens. Yeah, I like that. That's really good. Mm.
1: Well, on that note, I've been Damien.
2: I've been Handsome Tom. I've been Gabe.
1: And if you have any thoughts or ideas or comments or anything ideas. like that, oh. ideas on ideas, uh, you just want to say hi, you can send us an email at movie maintenance at sanshanceradio.com. Or find us at Twitter at mm SandsPants or in our individual Twitters. I'm midday, at midday pajamas. I'm at awkward
2: Treed. I'm at colbergmoser. Thanks for listening, guys. And I'll see you in your bath.